Well, good evening. All right. Well, we're going to continue on with our uh, Kingdom Person series, and this is going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we have now made it to uh, Chapter 6. So, so the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we find ourselves tonight in the first half of Matthew Chapter 6. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have surrendered yourself in sending Christ Jesus, that we may live with you and for you. Thank you, Lord, for freeing us from the slavery of sin, that we can come to you giving our all. Lord, I pray that as we come together and we look at these works of righteousness, that we look to see that it is not about ourselves or promoting ourselves, but instead it is to bring glory and honor to you in your name alone. I pray that you would be with us and be with the teens and open our hearts and our minds and, and work with your spirit, work in our hearts. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. As I said, we're going to continue on in Matthew and we'll be in chapter 6. And so the title of this message, as we continued on, um, the first message was the characteristics of a kingdom person, and that was going through the Beatitudes, showing what does a person or what are the characteristics of someone who is a citizen of the kingdom. Christ came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, <clears throat> and Christ being the king of kings uh, is declaring these are the people that will be in my kingdom. And he gave the characteristics through the Beatitudes. And then we went through the substance of a kingdom person and talked about how a kingdom person relates to how a kingdom person relates to the world. And so we're to be different. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And so there's to be a stark difference between us and the world and how we interact and affect the world and that we're not to draw back and and isolation but instead we're to be in the world but not of the world and then we continued on with the last part of Matthew chapter 5 which was about the law and Christ said you have heard it said before thou shalt not do this but I say to you this and he brought it to our attention that sin, the matter of sin, and the matter of obedience comes down to our heart. And so we were going through those. And now uh, there's a change to focus on righteousness or practicing your righteousness. So I titled the message tonight, The Works of a Kingdom Person. Let us go to Matthew chapter 6 and read the first 18 verses. <clears throat> Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites sound, or as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in, sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This section, Christ starts out, be careful to practice your righteousness before others. And we might think that these works of righteousness would be, of course, he starts out with giving to the needy. But then we would look at other things and think, well, it might be other good works like charity and things like this. But really, when Christ is saying, be careful to practice your righteousness in front of others, he is coming and bringing three examples that would talk about how righteousness is that these works of righteousness are worshiping and bringing honor to God. And these three things mentioned are alms, or giving to the needy, prayer, communicating to God, requesting things in supplication, giving thanksgiving, intercessing for other people, adoration and confession, and fasting, which is subduing our body for self-control, focusing on Christ. And so he starts with a warning to these people who are citizens of the kingdom, warning about their motives and their hearts. He gives two examples of people who are not of the kingdom, but that they practice their righteousness in front of others. He gives the example of the hypocrites, who are the Pharisees, and then he gives the example of the Gentiles, who are the pagans, or the people who practice uh, worshiping false gods. And so this warning is 
so that we would come and have a self-examination about what is our motives for coming to the Lord and performing worship such as giving, praying, and fasting. And so the works of righteousness are acts of worship, well, are not about self. The works of righteousness are not about focusing on being seen by others. And so this motivation that the Pharisees will have would be that they would go out and sound trumpets, go out to the streets, and they would go out so that people can hear them and see them and see what they do and have praise. And this is the only reward they will get. That's what Christ says. And so they're looking for uh, to promote themselves. And so when they go forward, and you would might think that they are having a concern of what other people think, but instead, really, they're looking to boost their ego. How often do we sometimes go and do good works or charitable things and say, well, that made me feel really good? And so we go and we like to pay it forward or we like to, you know, um, it felt really good and I paid for the person behind me in the line at McDonald's. And maybe you'd post it on Facebook and you'd say, oh, look what I did because it made you feel good and it elevated yourself. But when you do things like that and when you give to the needy, <clears throat> when you uh, support those who are in need and as our religion of Christianity following the way and following Christ, we are to take care of the vulnerable. We are to serve the orphans and the widows. We are to take those people who are in need, the people who are in prison, the people who um, are without clothes, the people who are hungry, and we're to serve them by caring for them and giving them their needs, but not as a way to make us feel better about ourselves, but instead to support them and put their interests and put their well-being in front of our own. And so <clears throat> this first example of alms or giving to the needy, you might think that this is going to continue on about practicing righteousness of uh, doing good works that God has prepared ahead of time for you to do. Now, of course, uh, worshiping God is good works. But these forms, uh, giving to the needy and praying and fasting, are all to bring honor and worship God. So these works of righteousness are acts of worship. And they're to bring honor to God. And so when, he is, when Christ is saying that you're to do these things in secret, for the Father in heaven who sees you in secret will reward you. He's not necessarily telling you to go and, and not let anybody find out about it or try to be sneaky about it. Because in this previous time when we were looking at you are the light of the world, Christ said that you are to have your light shine so that people will see your good works and bring glory to the Father. So we're not to necessarily hide what we do or 
pretend or try to keep it secret or hide. Um, we're not to sneak around and maybe, um, you know, it's nice to do things anonymously, but at the same time, when you do something even anonymously, you can do it for your self-promotion and making yourself feel better. So when he is saying to do it in secret, he is saying that do not bring attention to your works. Do not bring attention to other people. So he starts out in verse He starts out in verse 2. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Now, the Pharisees would go out and they would sound trumpets. Now, this isn't to say, hey, look at me. Well, they'd used it at this, but they covered up what they were doing by saying, well, we're announcing Okay, our kitchen is open. Come and get it. Come get your free soup or come, come get your clothes. Come get your alms. Come get your silver. And they were saying that they were announcing it to the poor and to the needy, but really what they were doing is they were drawing attention to themselves. And so Christ is telling us that we shouldn't go out and sound a trumpet. We shouldn't maybe necessarily put a big sign in the yard saying this is what we're doing. But instead, we can go in secret, meaning not public, and give. And so we see that the hypocrites or the Pharisees would do this in the synagogues with their boxes in the back. They had um, Corbin boxes, and they had ways, uh, offering boxes to be able to give alms. And so they would do that in the synagogues. And they would also do this on the street corners. And so in both places, they were doing these things to be seen. So you might ask, well, what is this hypocrite? Often we see, uh, I see one of the biggest objections against church or somebody coming to church is, well, the church is full of hypocrites. It's people who say they're doing one thing and not doing it, and they do another thing. That's part of being a hypocrite. But the origin of the word or, or the use of the word hypocrite in the time with Greek, because hypocrite comes from a Greek word. And so the origin is a little bit deeper than just somebody saying, do this, but doing another thing. So the lexical or the, the definition that would be found in most theological or Bible dictionaries is this, that a hypocrite is an actor under an assumed character, a stage player, or a pretender. And so in the times of, of acting and in plays, they would use this word hypocrite. That's someone who is, um, would come and play a part. They would come and present themselves as somebody that they're not. And so these Pharisees that Christ has mentioned before in the last chapter in you must have righteousness that exceeds those of the scribes and Pharisees, the ones who had outward holiness, but inside they were dead. These, they would come and present themselves as righteous people. They would say, they would act pious. They would act as though they are holier than now. They would often then look down on other people. And we saw that when 
um, when Christ gave the example of the Pharisee in the tax collector, where the Pharisee was out front of the synagogue saying, I thank you, God, that I am not like these other sinners. I fast twice a week. I give my tithe. I do all of these righteous things. I do all of these things, and I thank you that I'm not like all of these sinners, especially that tax collector in the back. And then he takes the scene and goes and brings light to the tax collector, and the tax collector could not even lift his head to heaven, and he beat his chest, and he said, Lord, I am a sinner, and have mercy on me. And so when Christ said, two of these people left the synagogue, and only one left justified, and it was the one who was poor in spirit, as we would see in the characteristics of a kingdom person, that this man was poor in spirit, seeing that he had a spiritual need, crying out for mercy, that he had a broken and contrite heart, and he was humbling himself before the Lord, asking for mercy. But instead, this man, who was a Pharisee, would go forward and present himself as though he had a spotless life, that he had, he, he took extra time that if he had mint dropped on the floor or from his herb garden, that he would tithe part of that. And so even the maybe the smallest of leaf, he would take a tithe off of that. And so he made sure that his outward appearance was so prestige and clean that he missed the point that we would have a need for Christ, that we would need God because he himself thought, I'm doing okay and I'm a good person. Now, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has a similar definition, but I just wanted to show what the world defines a hypocrite as. And it's a person who puts a false appearance of virtue or religion, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. We see this in the whole chapter of Matthew 23. Matthew 23 contains seven woes to the Pharisees. And Christ went forward and he really hammered these people because they were they thought they were righteous. They thought they were good. And we know that there is only one that is good, and that is God. Because everybody else is in desperate need of God. Everyone else falls short of his glory, for we all have sinned. And so Christ goes and says this in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever tell you they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They do all of their deeds to be seen by others. And notice he says that they're not practicing what they preach. He says, yes, listen to what they say because they are speaking from Scripture. They are saying, this is what Moses see, says. This is what Moses presents in the Torah, in the law. But they do not observe themselves what they do. They preach, but they do not practice. And their motivation is this. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. And he continues on with these seven woes. This is the chapter 
in which we can read where Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs that are dead inside, that they would strain a gnat but swallow a camel, that they are um, doing things to be seen, but they themselves have no righteousness at all. He continues to say this, and this is seen in several other places where Christ says this, that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And we see that these Pharisees went and exalted themselves. They put themselves above the need of Christ. They um, came forward and they gave themselves, they built up themselves broken cisterns or leaking wells instead of looking for the living water, who is Jesus Christ. They forsaken God and looked to themselves and trusted in themselves. So there's three examples of these works of righteousness that we can find in Matthew 6, 1 through 18. The first is giving to the needy. Now, of course, this is a very good thing. This is a good thing to do, and we're commanded to do so. We see when Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats, he is saying, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you cared for me. And all of when I was lonely, you, um, you visited me. And so they asked, well, when did we do this to you? And he said, if whenever you have done this to the least of these, you have done to me. James says that this is your true religion, that you would bridle your tongue, but then he also continues to say that you would care for the orphans and care for the, the widows, that those who are in need, you would care for. And so Christ goes and says that you shall not sound your trumpet to be seen, to, to be raised up by praise from other people. And the reason why is because that feeling good about what they did, that feeling inside that raised them up and, and made them feel like, I'm such a great person, that is their only reward. And that is temporal. And that is going to fade away. But instead, that if they do this for the honor of God, and out of true compassion and love for their neighbor, that God in heaven will reward them. The next is the most lengthy that we find the Lord's Prayer in, that Christ gives the example of prayer. And so when he speaks about prayer, we have to understand what is prayer. And that prayer is speaking to God. That prayer is about going in need, humbling yourself to the God of this universe and asking for things, seeking his help and bringing praise to him. And so it, when the hypocrites come forward and when the hypocrites go to be seen by others, they're not doing it to communicate to God. They're doing this to be seen and to have 
look at how pious that man is. He prays and he goes to the Lord and he prays every day. I see him on this corner and he is praying. And he also, uh, just like the man in the synagogue with the Pharisee and the tax collector, he is highlighting all of the good deeds he has done. He is bringing attention, drawing attention to himself. And so that when they are seen by others and when they get this good feeling about, look what I did. I prayed and I had such a good prayer and it sounded eloquent. You know, and most people come to prayer with hesitation, thinking that they need to sound eloquent or thinking that they need to sound so um, marvelous and have these big words and, and all of these wonderful things. But really what we're doing is we're coming before the Lord. And so we don't need to have big words, as we'll see later, as the Gentiles do, or repetitive words. Truly, I say to you, Christ says in verse 5, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now often, things that we come to the Lord in prayer about are private matters that we don't need to bring forward and, and spread out and go onto the street corners. And could you imagine going to the street corner and praying for you know, your most intimate needs or, or the troubles that you're having with your family or the troubles you're having at work and you're airing your laundry out on Front Street. But instead, he's saying that this is a personal matter to draw yourself away and know that it's between you and God, drawing your focus on God himself. And so Christ did this, and many other people did this. They drew away early in the morning. Christ went out. They wondered, where did you go? And he was spending time with the Father in heaven praying. And he was going and praying for strength and praying for God to uh, bless his disciples and keep them from the world. And so when you go and pray, the Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And so this is the other example of that the Gentiles or the pagans, the ones who would go and pray to other false, to, to false gods, gods that don't even exist, gods of their own imagination, they would go and have empty phrases and re repeating what they say. And they go on and on. They heap up empty phrases. And they think that they're going to be heard for their many words. And what Christ tells us not to be like them. And this is a great showcase of God's sovereignty and omniscience that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. And we'll see later on in this chapter, we'll see next week, that the Father in heaven provides for his children, that they do not need to worry or be anxious about anything, but instead about all things pray for all things. And so 
God knows our hearts. He knows our needs. And so before we even go and ask him, the Father knows what we need. And so something that we see in, in the Protestant churches is often we kind of put off a public reading of this, this example of prayer as Jesus gave us because often people use this in many words and re repetition and repeat it over and over and they don't even think about what this prayer means. Now Christ comes and gives this example of prayer giving a structure, not necessarily saying this is the prayer that you have to exactly follow, but he's giving us a format that we're to bring adoration to God and we're to confess our sins and that we're to have thanksgiving and that we're to ask for supplication or our needs. And so the prayer goes this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as also as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil he starts this prayer not about god i need you or god i need this or god i need that it's not about starting the prayer about us but instead turning our eyes upward looking to god our father in heaven and saying holy is your name set apart is your name that your name it's is completely unique and holy. It is without sin, that you are without sin and you are good, the only good one, yet you are a loving Father. Your kingdom, this is a prayer of a kingdom person, your kingdom come and your will be done. This is also a prayer that this will happen, but also an acknowledgement that God is sovereign and his will will be done that God's kingdom will reign. And he's praying that this would happen on earth as it is in heaven. And this next is praying for supplication, but also an acknowledgement. Give us this day our daily bread. That there's sustenance, that, that when you pray this, you're praying saying, I acknowledge that everything I have ever needed has come from your hand. That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. But I also pray that I will not take this for granted and I request it. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, acknowledging that we have trespassed against God. That every day that we tend to go away without faith, that we would, we would drift away, that we would... Uh, focused on ourselves, or we would doubt lacking faith and not trusting God but yet being in and going into disobedience and we go for, forth to God and confess our sins agreeing that we have sinned against him but we know that he has given us mercy and that he will that when you do sin you have an advocate with the father who is Jesus Christ our Lord forgive us our debts God has ex expects us and requires of us to have a heart of compassion, forgiving others that sin against us. 
And so when others come and sin against us, or uh, we, have, we are not to have a grudge. We, we saw that before in last, last week, that if we had a grievance with a brother, before we even go to the Lord and worship, we're to go and reconcile with our brother. That how can we say that we love God when we do not love our brother or sister? So, as we have forgiven our debtors, it's a reminder that we are to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And a supplication, Lord, we know that we drift away. We're prone to wander, prone to sin. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, it is only you that can keep us from sin. And he goes and continues on this point that this is the prayer, this is the focus, that we're to acknowledge that God is our sovereign Lord and that he is our provider and he is also our redeemer. And so this prayer is about redemption, about reconciliation, that we're to be reconciled in the kingdom being a peacemaker is not reviling evil back with evil, but overcoming evil with good. And so he continues in verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Holding a grudge or holding something against somebody and and being unwilling to forgive them is sin because we're to have mercy on those who persecute us. We're to pray for those who persecute us, that our enemies, were, if they're hungry, we're to feed them. We're not to revile evil back with evil. And even our brothers, if there's something against us, we need to be reconciled and have unity in Christ. Remembering this, that it is God who has forgiven our trespasses, that through Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. And knowing that it is only by Jesus Christ that we're accepted, we can then turn and give mercy to others and have mercy on others. Not like the servant who was forgiven all of his debt and then went out and demanded people who owed him money. For when that master found out he threw him right back in and punished him because he failed to have mercy. It continues on with the last, the third part of worship, which is fasting. And fasting is, is often by not eating. Christ, when he went into the desert, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It is to subdue the body, for self-control, but it is also to bring focus on God. For if he continues in verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they're fasting that may be seen by others. And so if you go a day or two days fasting, you might seem hungry, you might seem, oh, wow, this is, this is much, but your focus should be on God. He says that we should anoint our heads with oil, making them shiny, making it look like we're, we're not hungry, that we're not famished. But instead, these hypocrites who are the Pharisees, 
would make them look, they would present themselves as something they're not, really righteous people. They went out, and not only did they just, they didn't just keep their regular appearance, but they disfigured their faces. They made themselves look gloomy. They changed their face to look like they were so miserable. And so they would purposely make it known that they're fasting. But Christ says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When people go out and see, oh, look at them, they poor, poor uh, Abraham or poor uh, Jacob, whoever is this, this man, this Pharisee, I feel bad for him. He, he's just been fasting so long. He looks hungry. Maybe I'll try to give him something to eat. Or I can't, and, and they look and they have pity on him. But really, he's not hungry. He's probably, he's just disfiguring his face to be seen by others. And it has nothing to do, and that's just as all of these, it had, when, the, when the Pharisees, the hypocrites, go and do these things, it has nothing to do with focusing on God. But instead, it's focusing on self. It's focusing on promoting themselves, exalting themselves, saying, look at me, I am so pious that I am fasting for this long, and I'm hungry, and I'm doing it for the Lord. But really, no, they're doing it because it makes them feel better about themselves. And it increases what they think about themselves. They, they think that they're righteous. They have a form of self-righteousness. But when you fast, this is what we were to do. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Put oil on your head, wash your face, pep yourself up, look like there's nothing going on. Because it's not a matter for anybody else that you're fasting, but instead it's between you and God. And so when you wash your head, or wash your, anoint your head and wash your face, your fasting is not seen by others. But your father who is in secret, the father who knows your heart, knows your mind, knows everything about you, will reward you. So these works of righteousness or these, these acts of worship are not something to bring self-satisfaction. We're not to do these worship, uh, do these acts, these praying, fasting, or giving to the needy to make us feel better about ourselves. And so one of the modern things that we see in modern evangelical Christianity is this um, social gospel or this, I've seen these churches where they'll go out and they'll do these days, they'll do these serve, uh, so I'm from Erie, and so I saw a church doing something called Serve Erie. And so they would go out with their trucks and they would go out with all these people, they'd be wearing t-shirts saying, Serve Erie, this is what I'm doing, we're doing good for the community, we're making the world better. And they're taking pictures of each other, they put, put it on Facebook, and it's all about, look at what I'm doing. And they go out and they make themselves feel better about serving the community. Now, are we commanded to go out and care for the needy? Yes. 
Are we to go and pray for others? Yes, especially those who persecute us. We're to go and pray to the Father, showing our dependency on him. And so when they go out for prayer walks even, we see, uh, I see there's churches that will go out and we're going to do, they announce it, we're going to go out on a prayer walk and we're going to just cover this whole town with prayer. And so really, they, and they announce it to people, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're from this church and we're going for a prayer walk. We're praying because we want this, we want this community to be better. And then afterwards they say, well, how do you think it went? Well, I feel really good about that. And so really what it is is to bring self-satisfaction. And now we don't know each other's hearts. And so there might be some people who are genuinely trying to serve the Lord in these things. So we can't pass judgment too quickly. But knowing that there is a warning that we should not be doing these things to be seen by others, we need to have... Take, take this seriously and see that that is our only reward if that's what we're seeking. That if we're to look for um, only people's praise, that that's the only reward we'll get. And so it's we, when we think about people doing things, we often look at it as, well, they just want attention. You know, they want or they want to make people happy. And, or they want people to accept them for what they are. But really, it comes down to the core of making themselves feel better and having a form of self-righteousness. And so the works of righteousness are not to be done drawing attention to themselves. As the hypocrites would go and blare their trumpets, saying, come and get your alms, come ne all who are needy, and we'll give you what you want so that they can see, oh wow, this synagogue has been, this synagogue has donated, you know, thousands of shekels this month, and they're doing better than this synagogue, and then it becomes a contest, or, or you know, whose synagogue can look more righteous. And we see that also in some of these, um, these other churches where, and I've never been in, in one, but I've heard of where in a Catholic church, they post who gives what in the back. And it's all about who is giving. And they put, you know, well, this person is given this much, and this person's given that much, and, oh, this person has dropped down on their giving, so we better get a hold of them and uh, have them give more. And so this whole motivation is just missing the total point, that it's not about compassion. It's not about drawing near to God. It's not about serving God and bringing honor to him. So the, what our work should be about is bringing glory to God, bringing honor to God. And so often people will take all of these things, these things, the form of godliness, the form of, of being a Christ-like person or a or doing things in the name of Christ, but really, they're just promoting themselves. So a kingdom person is focused on the well-being of the kingdom, the well-being of the king, the honor and the glory of the king. It's not about promoting self, and it's not about um, making ourselves feel better, and it's not about um, even comparing yourselves to others. 
but instead it is about drawing us near, bringing us close to the Lord, that when we give, we give out of compassion, that when we, when we care for people, we um, do it out of compassion and love, and when we pray, we're praying directly to God, and sometimes I've heard people, when, when they pray, it's almost like, you know, and I don't know if this is necessarily the same thing, but when, when people are praying, it seems like they're praying at the people listening rather than talking directly to God. That they're preaching to the people and using prayer as something to uh, get their point across rather than talking directly to God and praying between them and God. And so we need to understand that when we come to the Lord in prayer, it is between us, and that we have the confidence knowing that the Father in heaven will forgive our trespasses, that he will give us what we need, that he'll sustain us and care for us, that we may not have anxiety about this world. And when we fast, when we try to subdue our body, that we are drawing near to God or looking for an answer, if we're praying for somebody and fasting and desiring uh, that we would um, have God answer our prayers and we fast, we do it so that it's between God and us, not for others to be seen. So this is another warning, just as it was with the law of the kingdom person, that we're not to be like these uh, Pharisees, these hypocrites, who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They think that they're righteous, but they deny the one who is righteous. And so that is the works of a kingdom person. And next week we'll continue on with the treasures of a kingdom person. And that will be talking about going through where our treasure lies, our heart lies also. And it goes, about, it goes into seeking God for your needs. And so where our hope is, where our treasure lies, where our, what we value is where our heart lies. And so a kingdom person's heart is in heaven, and it lies in heaven with the treasure in heaven. Because as Christ was saying here, your Father in heaven will reward you for what is seen or what is done, not to be seen by man, but to only be seen by God. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this message, this Sermon on the Mount, that we can come and, and hear the words, hear your words, that the Son of God came and preached this perfect sermon about what it is to be a kingdom person. And so we can get an image or a, a, a picture of what this kingdom will be like, and that we can examine ourselves to see and also pray and that you would conform us to a kingdom person who is like your son, Christ Jesus. I pray that you would um, check our hearts, Lord, about and our motivation of when we do good things. Lord, in that we're not fulfilling ourselves or, or looking to make ourselves feel better, or, but instead we're looking to bring honor and glory to you, that we deny ourselves and put you first. I pray that you continue to give us the grace to do so and have mercy on us, Lord. I pray this all in Christ's name.
Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in person, and thank you for joining online. Have a great evening.